This episode, like all of our episodes, is brought to you by our beloved Patreon donors. This week, we want to thank Chad, Jordan, and Georgiana. And an extra special thanks this week goes to Q. Q is the timely death of Mitch McConnell. There are entirely too many sports. I can barely keep them straight. Is Blurns Ball one of them, or did Futurama make that up? Who knows? Like, I don't... I, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you. It's, it's cur- like curling. If I were to make up a sport as a joke, it would be curling. But curling okay, is but an actual fucking sport. What? Can I tell you? Mm. One of my all-time favorite um, sports media. It's not a movie. Mm. It's a TV series. Um, and mm. I believe it's called Losers. Oh, um, I'm pretty Sounds sure promising. it's a Netflix like original. <laughs> um, and it is about it is a it is a documentary and they shift over to a t- t- lots and lots of different sports, ton of different sports. Mm. Um, and they profile a a notable loss or failure mm. um, and they turn it into a fascinating, fascinating story. And one of them Ooh. is, in fact, about curling <gasps> and. You have never seen me and my non-sporty partner sitting on the couch with like tears gathering in the corner of our eyes I watching believe it. something about curling. Mm-hmm. I fucking believe it. And you guys are like the least sports conscious people I know. Like I at least, you know, Bear used to be a football player. He, uh, against his better judgment, still loves football and he'll he'll watch all he'll watch all the balls, all the, the sports balls. He'll watch them all, whatever it is. Um, but you, like, if I were to walk into your home and have you and your husband watching a sports game on TV, I would call I frankly, I would call the men in black because I'd be like, yeah. aliens have replicants. We are replicants. We're yurks. My friends. 100%. We are yurks. We're going to invite you to the sharing any second now. When you need some dough, you don't know where to go in this patriarchal capitalist hellscape. Well, here's the sitch. We're going to help you, sis, because bitches get riches. Bitches get riches. Bitches get riches. Bitches get riches. So can you enough enough of the sport? I'm getting enough tired sport. and sweaty just thinking about it. <laughs> I'm Kitty and I'm Piggy, and we are the bitches in Bitches Get Riches. We're a pair of colorful, elegant beta fish, and we are recording from across the country from each other because we will fight each other on site. It's true, and our time on this planet is limited. So let's get started. Today's letter comes to us from our dear follower, Alpunka. Alpunka asks, esteemed bitches, longtime reader, first time asker. I recently got a new job with a big pay increase, better hours, more job security, etc. But now I've realized that I hate the career path I'm on right now. I'm a manufacturing supervisor and I don't want to manage people forever. And I hate the capitalistic crunch to bleed my employees dry for revenue. Ugh. I know I don't want to take a step back down in salary, though. I've been thinking about looking for a career coach or a recruiter to try to figure out what kind of different jobs I would be qualified for and what would I actually like and what would be in a similar pay range. Are there consultants for that sort of thing? How do I find a good one? What other resources are there for figuring out what to pivot to when you know you want to pivot? Help me, bitch nation. I think a lot of our listeners who are maybe um, 
in their late 20s, early 30s, especially, are going to be relating to this question. I think Mm. uh, a lot of folks fall into their first career and they kind of take what they can get, especially for folks like us who graduated during less than ideal markets. Yep, yep, yep. Um, 2009. (laughs) Shout out to the... Class the incredible pain and drama. Um, Shout so out to I, uh, competing with 40-year-old parents in the job market for entry-level jobs. Woohoo! Loved it. Loved mm-hmm. every moment. So great. Couldn't get enough. Oh, Thank you mm-hmm. all. Um, so I, I think this is a relatable question, right? Like, I have fallen into something and it's working for me economically. I'm making good money doing this. However... Now that I understand what's being asked of me, don't like it. How the Mm -hmm. fuck do I get out of this? Mm -hmm. Um, One of my favorite statistics to bring up is that so for someone in um, we're um, in our mid 30s, uh, we are old millennials. Mm -hmm. Um, And for someone in our grandparents uh, age range, a silent generation uh, person, um, the average number of jobs that someone from that generation might have in their lifetime is one and a half. The folks who are um, now in their 30s, 20s, and younger, um, so the average for us is closer to a dozen, a dozen different employers over our lifetime. And I think that that number has grown and will continue to grow over time. So um, there's a lot of, I think, advice out there about specialization and how Mm. that's the key to growing wealth. And I don't think that that's like bad advice. Um, but, but I, I don't actually think it's the think, only like, advice. We live in in a society where I think actually generalists um, are are more in demand. Um, mm-hmm. You can always be trained into a new job as long as you prove that I have the skills to learn new things. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, just to counter a lot of traditional advice, would really focus on like. You need to find one industry and one job that you're okay with doing in that industry and do it forever. And that's that's not where we're at. Um, And it sounds like it's not not where where you're at either. So I think the next step for them is just realizing what are their generalizable skills? What are the skills that they can take to other employers? And uh, speaking from personal experience, uh, I had a really hard time with this when I was uh, going through a career transition. You know, I started my career in the book publishing industry. Very glamorous, very underpaid. Um, yeah, very stuck in the fucking stone age. All my publishing friends right now are listening to this uh, and taking notes because they're like, how do I also get it out? And I'm like, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. It's true. Yeah, it's true. Um, but no, I when I was sitting down, I was like, okay, I need to transition into a new industry. I'm going to miss my identity in publishing, which, spoiler alert, like more than two years after after leaving it, I don't miss it. Um, but I was focusing on the wrong skills. I was like, okay, I'm an editor. I know how to edit. Uh, and I'm an acquisitions editor. I know how to manage writers. Um, how do I transfer that to an industry where I'm not necessarily working with writers and editing things. And I was looking at it wrong. I was focusing on the hard skills rather than the soft skills. Um, and when I say hard skills, I mean like the on paper, like, you know, the tasks that you know how to do when really the soft skills are more like the, you know, the ability to learn 
the ability to manage people, the ability to identify problems and uh, go through an effective problem solving process. Like these, these skills are something that you can learn in any industry because they are applicable in any industry. So I used to work for, uh, before I retired, a sort of household name technology company that works very hard to um, recruit the best and the brightest that they can. Mm. So I remember having this very interesting conversation with someone who is very, very, very senior within the company. Um, and they told me what their favorite major to hire. If they were hiring a student fresh out of school, what major they most wanted. Mm. Now, I want you to guess what this major is. And I'll tell you, this is for a role where they would be working in Enterprise level technology sales, meaning they are a gigantic company uh -huh. selling to another gigantic company, this very, very complex um, technological solution to their problems. What major do you think that they most wanted? Business administration. Absolutely not. Computer science? No. Okay, I'm looking at this the wrong way. Uh, communications. You're getting warmer. Okay, okay. so the answer? Mm. Theater majors. <gasps> what? He told me his absolute favorite recruits were theater majors because they had good improvisation skills. They were good at listening actively. They can memorize scripts very easily. Um, and they're good at understanding and communicating an understanding of what it is that the mm -hmm. client wants and needs. So he I had like said, hands down, amazing. he would rather have a theater major who he can train to be exactly the kind of employee mm -hmm. that he wants rather than someone who comes in with like a, a business administration degree or some kind of like, um, you know, um, sales, intelligence, tech. like yeah. design architecture, degree, like whatever. Like he's like, I don't want them. They think they know how to do the job. Mm -hmm. I will teach them how to do the job. But they have to have the soft skills. And he loves See, theater love majors that. because of their soft skills. I fucking love that. I feel like that is the sound of a thousand theater majors like scampering over to their parents who said, what are you going to do with this major and going, see, see. And in, in fact, one of our most uh, successful friends in the financial media industry was a theater major. Do you know who I'm talking about? I actually don't. Tori fucking Dunlap. Oh, I didn't know she. Okay, yeah. all right, yeah. yeah. She she know she know how she to know. sell that. She, she know how to know. sell that shit. Yes, but that's exactly what we're talking about here. Is like there are some skills that do not come with the fancy technical majors or the fancy Absolutely. technical jobs. And like if I if I were to you know. If I were to classify my most valuable work skills now that I've successfully transferred to a different industry, like, yeah, I still use editing. I still, you know, manage authors, but it's my problem solving skills. It's my mm -hmm. ability to communicate difficult messages. Mm -hmm. It's my ability to collab collaborate across departments and explain and teach things to people in other departments who might not have the technical expertise from my department. Like, these are all things that did not come with my fancy publishing industry degree or career, but they came in in completely, they were super valuable when it came to transition. So I, I think that 
the best piece of advice we can give to Alpanka is that they need to identify these soft skills that are transferable. I think kind of what we're getting at is that it's very overrated to have direct experience. What's more valuable is your your ability to communicate that the experience that you have right now could be relevant in the experience that you want, um, which does kind of require framing. What are the skills that you offer as an employee, regardless of the role, um, just what are your interpersonal strengths? And that mm-hmm. is something I think a lot of people really struggle to to quantify and say, like, well, I'm good at problem solving. I'm good at communicating. Um, I'm good at arriving at diplomatic solutions that please a bunch of people who are like chronically determined to not be pleased by anything. Um, Those are very, very valuable roles. And and they, they are, but they are difficult because we're so trained, I think, to think about things like, well, what's my degree in? Do I have any like certifications? What's my direct work experience? All of those things, I think, ultimately are kind of bullshit. You can train anyone to do anything. What they need to be able to prove is that they have the qualities uh, Mm -hmm. that you need uh, as as an employee. And I'll give a caveat to that, which is that like there are going to be some employers in some industries who absolutely want to see those qualifications on your resume. They absolutely want to see that you've taken this class and gotten that certification and you majored in the right major at the right school. And I would argue that those employers are a little uh, regressive. You know, stupid. Sure. They, they stupid. <laughs> they basic. It's so stupid. Oh my it's God. So like, oh, get with yeah. the time. Get with the People yeah. are complex and they grow and they learn. Yeah. Dumb fuck. Um, yeah, I, I, I would agree. Um, I mean, obviously, there are some industries that you can't just transfer in. Like, don't think you can go from being a, you know, working in retail to being a doctor without, excuse me, a medical doctor <laughs> without having gone to med school. Obviously. You can be a TikTok doctor. <laughs> Listen, you can give financial <laughs> advice on the internet without any qualifications. We've proven that. <laughs> you did. You dare. She accused. Do not me uh, in I this indictment. This, listen, this is a scathing indictment of our complete lack of skills, qualifications, and knowledge. We have no idea what we're doing. Flee, flee for your lives. Yeah. Does investing in the stonk meerkat feel weird, bad, ethically gross? We feel you. Mainvest is a crowdfunding platform that makes it easy for you to find and invest in worthy small businesses in need of loans. We love Mainvest as a way to diversify the hidey holes where you put your money. If you're passionate about supporting ultra-local businesses and investing, or if you wanted to make sure your money is going to support specific industries or minority-owned businesses, go to mainvest.pxf.io slash BGR or much easier. Click the link in the show notes to start investing with Mainvest today. Alpanka references two things, recruiters and career coaches. Much like financial advisors, I used to think career coaches were bullshit. Um, And this was because I had a a career coach experience. So my, my husband's boss's wife was getting certified as a career coach. And she was like, I need practice hours. Like, Jess, I'm, I'm, 
for podcast only listeners, I'm like already grimacing because I'm like <laughs> certified by whom? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so go, she no, go on. Mm-hmm. And she's a, this lovely person, and she was like, "Jess, you've expressed displeasure with your chosen industry. Like, could I practice by coaching you on your career transition?" <laughs> and I was like, "Uh, you're so nice and lovely, and I I th- think you're wonderful. So fine, but uh, I'd rather have my." fingernails gouged out with pliers. So we had several sessions uh, over several weeks. And she put me through these questionnaires and these tests um, to really like drill down to these transferable skills that we've already discussed. And at the end of it, after all of this work and like hours of sessions, she says, I think you need to stay an editor. And I was like, well, that's bullshit. Like, this is what I've been trying to not do. But here's the fun thing, people. She was right. Like, Mm -hmm. I am still an editor in a completely different industry. I got where I needed to go. And in looking back, I was like, fuck, like everything she told me was totally helpful. I just didn't want to hear it at the time because I thought she was giving me the wrong answer. So at the end of the day, I don't know what she was getting certified with for her career coaching, but she was very effective. (laughs) But it was working. (laughs) It was Um, working. So the only other thing I would say about career coaches is that if you can find an affordable one um, or find a career coach equivalent, maybe in book or podcast form, go for it. Um, Even if you might not recognize its usefulness in the moment, you might find yourself being like, oh, hey, wait, the lessons I internalized from that really benefited me later on. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that like what I don't want our listeners to take away from this is like, So I was told that I need to go out and pay a coach $700 to explain to me how all the ways that being an ISFP affect me. Like, no, you do do not need to do that. You don't need to do that. Rather, like, have you ever sat down with some of your closest friends or coworkers, even better, and Mm. said, like, hey, I want to take an hour and, like, I just want you to tell me, what do you think that the value that I bring as an employee is like how would you describe me if you were trying to get me hired at a company how would you talk about me i kind of need to hear that because it's really really hard for people to understand what the true value that they bring is because (laughs) all right this is very cynical but i really think that so many of our systems are set up to keep people away from the feedback that most benefits them because the feedback that most benefits them is usually like you are so cool you're popping fresh you are underpaid um and you are capable of so much more uh than this are you suggesting don't want to tell you that are you suggesting that there are capitalist forces at work here preventing us from recognizing our full value capitalism is perfect and unimpeachable like my tendril and um very messy bun situation that i've got with the lavender chips i am feeling it totally totally unimpeachable absolutely not capitalism's perfect and there are no Mm, flaws no notes for capitalism (laughs) no notes so i would say like overall people in particular i might say marginalized people like women are very poorly equipped to describe what their own best qualities are in the workplace because a lot of the things that they do have been historically undervalued um, and it's really hard to shift and talk about those skills like they are the amazing talents that they are 
and not just like, oh, well, managing like managing conflict. Like that's just something that just, like women just do, you know, with their uteruses or whatever. So I think that one of the most valuable tools that I have found for articulating my own value, especially in roles where I don't have direct experience, is cultivating a diverse group of friends and contacts who are able to help me articulate my value. Um, if you have only friends who are kind of like you, exactly like you, um, they will have the same blind spots that you have. They won't know what it is that you should be bragging about. They mm. won't know how rare it is to have some of the qualities and skill sets that you do. Um, so I have gotten so, so, so much out of having direct conversations with a diverse group of friends in terms of like what their role is and what their educational and career background is and saying, what do you think it is that I do that's amazing? Mm. Um, what do you value about me as a partner, as a coworker that's rare? Um, and that will really, I think, help you frame things. If you do not have that a career coach can help you get there. A recruiter, a really good recruiter who mm -hmm. asks like deep, important probing questions can totally help yeah. you get there. One who's not phoning it in. Mm -hmm. But there are, there's a very wide range of quality in terms of recruiters. There are some who are just like, yeah, yeah I, ga I gotta, I don't know why I thought um, my, <laughs> I was take I was tapping my watch. The inside here, of your wrist. But I was tapping the inside of my wrist. So it looked like I was maybe trying to get a pulse. <laughs> Yeah, no, this is this it's is over here. I need to I need to yeah. flip it around. Yeah, yeah. You know, around. one of my skills, not spatial reasoning. Okay. One of so. one of our lacking skills, like as a podcast, is that we are very not used to being a visual medium this, this no, season. No, we are not. <laughs> okay. So tap, tap, tap on the wrist, mm -hmm, the outside mm -hmm. of the wrist, not the inside of the wrist. It's a watch, Time is money. not your pulse. Money is power. Power's pizza. Let's go. <laughs> And pizza is all. So pizza is everything. You don't want the recruiter who's tapping their watch going like, yeah, I have a role to fill. And like, I need you to say three of the magical code words that will get you this job. Mm. Um, that person is not helpful. They are just kind of looking out for themselves. They're trying to tick a box. But I have had the experience myself and have seen many friends have the experience of working with a recruiter who is really good at asking deep probing questions to draw out things that might not be on your resume yet, that might not be on your list of soft skills that you know and understand how to promote. And they will just like pull that out and be like, here you go. This, this, you don't understand how rare it is to find someone who for example, is good at transitioning between the big picture and the details, like very fluidly. Yeah, yeah That's totally. a hard thing to articulate. It's a hard thing to point to, but an external person is good at it. You don't necessarily have to pay a professional to do that. If you have a really good diverse network, they can help you find that stuff, but it requires work. So mm -hmm. if you're maybe like kind of overtaxed in your current role and you don't feel like I can't do like a lot of like <laughs> deep probative psychological yeah. work I while I'm also working this. at this job yeah. that I don't like, you can totally outsource that. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. Set set aside a little money for your, your transition. Um, and like this is this is the end of the lesson, which is that like Part of your emergency fund should be like an exit strategy from toxic yeah, employers like and it. bad like, like work situations. So just, you know, it, it can be expensive to work with a recruiter or a career coach, but, you know, factor that into your emergency fund. 
hundred percent. Yeah, I I think a good one is is worth their weight in gold. A bad one is worth their weight in um, dog turds, depreciating assets <laughs> such as dog such farts. as dog turds. <laughs> Are you good with that? I am good with that. Excellent, nailed it. Listeners, if you want us to answer your question, go to bitchesgetriches.com and click Ask the Bitches. After all, this podcast is listener-supported. We are committed to never, ever putting our best content behind a paywall, only our worst content. So if you like what we do and you want us to keep doing it, you can support the podcast by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash bitchesgetriches. And if you need even more bitches in your life, and who could blame you, you can read our articles or follow us on social media at bitchesgetriches.com. Hey, is there anything else they should know? Yes, I've been thinking. A dangerous prospect. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay. I know. <laughs> so, I was thinking that if we had ranked choice voting for musical genres, Ooh. you know what would win? It's no. funk. Oh, it is totally funk. It is absolutely funk. No matter who you are, funk is your second favorite genre of music. It is wrong that disco ever died. That was incorrect. Mm-hmm. We need to like That's go back and fix that timeline. Listen. Everyone can rally around funk. It may not be your favorite, but when but September at by Earth, Wind, and Fire comes on, your ass is moving. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Listen. So. George Clinton and the Parliament Funkadelic are a better governmental system than our actual legislature and presidency absolutely rome Mm -hmm. would still be a whole thing today if Mm -hmm. they had had funk music but they Mm -hmm. didn't they just had pan flutes or whatever so fuck them that's why (laughs) good to know bitches out out. (laughs) 